This is Defenders TV Podcast, episode 73, looking at Doctor Strange, the Sorcerer Supreme, the 2007 animated film from Marvel. Welcome back, Defenders. This is Defenders TV Podcast, episode 73, looking at Doctor Strange, the Sorcerer Supreme, the 2007 animated film from Marvel Animated Studios. I'm your host, Chris. They let me back in the pilot seat just for this one episode. I know probably by the end of this recording, I'm not going to be in it. So let's see how long it takes until Derek kind of wrestles the the steering wheel from me. Uh, I, That's not true. That's not going to happen. Well, like Indiana Jones, I'm wrestling for the uh, inflatable thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm one of your hosts, Chris. I'm one of your other hosts, Derek. And I'm one of your other hosts, John. I suppose you know, we could just keep going, going other, other, other. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone. Good to be back. This is the podcast on our Doctor Strange Summer of Strange series. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're edging closer towards, uh, October, where all paths, uh, in the Marvel Universe are leading to at the moment in comic form, um, in teaser trailer release form, in, um, reaction videos to teaser trailers, uh, and obviously with Netflix coming in as well, the Defenders, which, Okay, kind of leads to Doctor Strange. Partially, partially, yes. And you say October, uh, just to point out for our American listeners or our Canadian listeners, North American listeners, I suppose, um, Doctor Strange does come out in Europe a couple of days before it comes out in the US. It comes out in October 26th, 27th, I think. I think so, yeah. Um, it's continuing in the good tradition of the, the Marvel release. I think it's basically because Europeans tend to, um, bootleg, uh, films more than, uh, the Americans. Apparently. Apparently that is true. We're really bad. Yes. Yeah. But we don't usually get the extra tag that goes on an American movie, um, American Marvel movies. Uh, but that's okay. We don't mind as long as we get the full actual film. Beforehand. No, uh, yes. no, excuse me, hold on, I'm putting in here. I, I, I want those tags. We didn't get the shawarma scene in Avengers. Thank God. No! That was a classic <laughs> Marvel, John Favreau, J- Josh Whedon style. That's John's least favourite tag on a Marvel uh, film. Yeah, I prefer my tags to actually kind of kick you off into um, the, the upcoming film next. It really gets you salivating for that film in the same way that the opening of a Bond really gets you excited for then the big musical intro and the rest of the film. You know, really kind of a big wham-bam. So worth. speaking of kicking yes. us off and getting us into the podcast, uh, first thing we want to just talk about is we do have our Summer Strange competition going on at the moment. Um, all it is, very simply, it's a prize draw for anybody who's left a review for us over on iTunes. You can access iTunes for our particular podcast by just going to DefendersTVPodcast.com slash iTunes, click the reviews button, uh, log in and just leave us a review and just send us an email to feedback at DefendersTVPodcast.com with your name and the country where you live because we can't unfortunately catch all of the, uh, the reviews that go up on iTunes. Uh, if you send us an email to that after you've done it, you'll be entered into our prize draw. John, what can they win in the prize draw? Well, you can win. Um, there is the two-issue Prelude comic for um, Doctor Strange, uh, the upcoming movie. 
There's also a vinyl pop Doctor Strange figurine. There is also a new era Doctor Strange uh, baseball cap mm. as well. Yes, with the with the seal of Ashanti on the seal front. of Ashanti cool. right on the front, and we've got pictures up on our website, so you can go to defenderstvpodcast.com forward slash Doctor Strange competition, I think. Um, it's a post on our website, so just go to that. You can get further details and you can see a picture of the lovely prizes so far that mm-hmm. we will be adding to. But in addition to the um, the cap, there is also then an electronic downloadable version of the current Doctor Strange comic series, Way of the Weird, as well. So at the moment, that's what's in the, the prize pack. For the prize draw, prizes will build and be added to the the prize draw um, up to the thirtieth of September, when the winner um, will be drawn out of a hat um, on our first podcast review of uh, Luke Cage. Yes, or some similar receptacle. I'm not sure whether we'll have a hat to put them into, but maybe maybe a baseball cap, possibly. Absolutely. Um, but yes, definitely want to reiterate because. Basically, all of the emails that we've gotten in telling us that they've done reviews have all mentioned the Doctor Strange pop. Everybody seems to want this pop. Uh, but all you need to do is just uh, pop us a review on iTunes and you'll be entered into the draw. We've got a few reviews so far. Yeah, um, absolutely. And just want to make sure that people do email us because, unfortunately, it is difficult to catch some of the reviews that are happening in uh, in some other countries outside of Ireland and the UK. So uh, if you do email us, you'll definitely be entered into that. And we're really looking forward to uh, to giving back to our listeners uh, who review us because it does help other people find the podcast as uh, as they're looking for shows that cover Doctor Strange, Luke Cage, The Defenders, Daredevil, Jessica Jones. Um, ours will pop up a little bit quicker for them if we get a couple more. And The Punisher. Don't forget about The Punisher. Oh, nobody could forget about The Punisher. We will be doing The Punisher, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> and just also to say on the competition, the reason for the email is that uh, you know, we need to be able to contact whoever is pulled out of the hat. So if we don't have any contact details, um, obviously we won't be able to get in touch with the, the, the winner. Um, also it's in case we miss a review, uh, maybe in, in a country that we don't regularly look at with regards to reviews. Okay, gents. Well, that's enough about the competition. And don't forget, defenders, if you're going to enter, as we've literally now said about 17 times, don't forget to send us an email. Um, but more importantly... Mm-hmm. I know Chris is going to enter because oh I know you God, want that so cap badly. and the pop. Like, this is so fair. <laughs> they bought it for the competition and we have these prizes. I can't take them. It's not fair. I thought this was the perk of the job, but apparently not. You get my perks. We did kind of get a perk. Like, I bought myself a Doctor Strange hat. Yeah, great. Yay! <laughs> um, and I got, I got an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. hat too. Yeah, and I don't have a Spider-Man hat. Sorry, I didn't see Spider-Man, actually. I'll have to have a look. So, boys, before we get into the main spoilerific conversations about Doctor Strange, the Sorcerer Supreme 2007 animated film, I have one question for you. What the hell is Thor and Loki going to be doing in going to the Sanctum Sectorum? Very true, Chris. Yes, some uh, some set photos came out this week from uh, from um, the new Thor Ragnarok film, uh, and what we did see on there is a piece of paper held in the hands of Thor uh, with a very um, noticeable address on there, John. I know one seven seven A Bleecker Street. That's right. Yes, the address the Sanctum the Sanctorum. Sanctum Sanctorum. Yeah. Yeah, really good. I mean, like in, until I kind of fully read the the article. 
um, with attached to the pictures, I was kind of thinking maybe this was um, a tag at the end of the Doctor Strange movie mm. suggesting he was going to be in uh, Thor Ragnarok. The thing I am absolutely stoked about with regards to this is that we also in San Diego Comic-Con saw the um, Armoured Hulk uh, gear that was so potentially that Thor Ragnarok sort of might be some kind of spin on uh, World War Hulk or Planet Hulk. Possibly, yeah. Possibly, who knows. Or that you know, Hulk is the 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 bringer of doom uh, and the portents to Ragnarok uh, of you know, for Asgard, mm-hmm. and so that maybe you know Hulk and Doctor Strange have a history with in within the comics with regards to Defenders within Planet Hulk, World War Hulk. Doctor Strange is there as well as someone who banishes him to another planet. Mm. So if depending on how that story is going to play out. That's just a kind of theory, um, a very, you know, tenuous one at the moment, but something that is starting to like build with different pieces of the jigsaw. I mean, I think after that, the, the main thing for me is that Doctor Strange is being incorporated into yeah. the wider MCU yeah. with regards to Thor Ragnarok. Um, you know, we, we're hearing about, um, uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy being in the first Infinity War mm-hmm. um, film, and and now we see Doctor Strange at least having some kind of influence or some part uh, within Thor Ragnarok, um, and uh, I mean, hopefully within the Infinity Wars. Absolutely, I I would absolutely love if Thor was coming to Doctor Strange for his help to put down the most powerful being in the universe at the moment, which is uh, which is still. Hulk, or at least most powerful being on Earth. Uh, he still hasn't won that battle with Thor yet, so uh, we don't know which one actually would win outright, but we know the Hulk gets stronger and stronger as he uh, gets more and more powerful and more and more angry, so uh, I'm assuming that Thor does um, annoy him quite a lot in this film. So, uh, I'm seeing uh, thumb wars here, like Hulk versus <laughs> Thor in thumb wars. Rock, nice. paper, scissors. <laughs> nice. Hammer. Don't forget the hammer. Um, the only thing is, I actually do think it's a tag. Mm-hmm. I honestly do. Maybe. They've filmed some of these before, these tags last minute and thrown them in. Um, and it's probably a great way of introducing him fully into the character. You see Thor mm-hmm. and with the piece of paper, he looks up, he goes to the, into the Sanctum Sectorum and there's Benedict Cumberbatch. And he then opens that scene that opens the beginning of Thor Ragnarok. Right. So right. that's why I'm kind of thinking that they're recording it so late as a way they were hoping to try and get around people who were probably spying the set of uh, Doctor Strange. Yeah, like interestingly, the actual photograph came from a pretty well-known writer in uh, in Australia. It's not; it, it doesn't seem like somebody that broke on the set. It's somebody that was there for a set visit. So uh, I'm really hopeful it's not a major spoiler. Um, but yeah, you're right. There is a, definitely a presence within Marvel Phase 2. In fact, that uh, pretty much every single tag at the end of a film was shot by the director of the next film was pretty much the way they did it. So it wasn't generally done by done as part of the filming. It was done uh, by the next director with yeah. the with the cast for the Absolutely, next movie. Yeah. So that is quite possible as well. We will be able to find out in October. Because all things what, John? All paths lead to Doctor Strange movie, 26th of October. There you Excellent. go. And this podcast will eventually lead to a discussion. A discussion. But this is just a a long introduction. Much like this film. 
it will lead to an elated review by me, or I'll be sobbing into my beer. Um, <laughs> well, we are thinking about chucking myself off the the first floor window of the house. I was going to <laughs> the Sanctum Sanctorum or the bridge from this film. Again, okay, gents, uh, let's kick off because I think our listeners are probably kind of dying to know what we thought about this. Hopefully, they mm-hmm. watch it too and um, they have some feedback. So, before we get into this, for any of you who are new listeners, and um, the way we cover uh, our podcast in theory the structure behind it is that we each take five points um we run through them uh typically there is some overlap because there's only only so many points you can take from films or uh but we'll each have a different view or take on it and uh each of us each of us who isn't john uh has a deeper understanding of the other side of the marvel universe so john will just kind of go through every character here and love them um but anyway Gentlemen, can, do you want to tell the guys where they can find us uh, across the web? Absolutely, yes. You can download our podcast but on any good or evil podcast catcher just by searching Defenders TV Podcast. We've recently joined uh, TuneIn Radio. It uh, came online this week, so you can get all of our episodes up there as well. If you're not an Android user, you can also subscribe to us on iTunes at DefendersTVPodcast.com slash iTunes or just by searching DefendersTVPodcast.com. You can send us feedback to feedback at DefendersTVPodcast.com. Uh, and you can also follow us over on Twitter at DefendersCast or come join our group on Facebook where there's lots of discussions going on about everything Marvel, really. Uh, just search for us at Facebook.com slash groups slash DefendersTVPodcast. I think with that, it's time to get into our discussion about... Doctor Strange, the animated movie, 2007. Uh, there's lots of creative people involved in the background. There's an animated movie, so more so than pretty much anything that we've covered before. It's uh, There's a lot of directors and writers behind it. Uh, so quickly, uh, the writer for this uh, for the screenplay for Doctor Strange, the animated movie, was Greg Johnson. I uh, worked with Craig Kyle on the full script for the for this uh, this production. Uh, they also worked together on uh, Planet Hulk, um, so the other production of this of this time as well. Uh, the voice director for it was Jamie Simone, and the movie itself was directed by three directors, Patrick Archibald, Jay Oliver, and Richard Seabass, all of whom have worked in many, many uh, animated productions right back to the early 80s. So uh, so some top quality directors and uh, and people involved in the, in the behind the scenes of this movie. I love uh, Seabass. <laughs> I know you do. I know you do. John, do you want to tell us what they gave us in your synopsis for this particular movie? Sure. New York is under increasing attack from mystical forces and foes that its inhabitants can neither see nor perceive. But a talented yet arrogant neurosurgeon, Dr. Stephen Strange, voiced by Bryce Johnson, begins to see wisps of unknown creatures and also starts to connect psychically with the nightmares of an alarming number of child patients admitted to hospitals across New York. Whilst he shrugs these occurrences off, he is involved in a severe car accident, leaving him with crippling injuries to his hands. Searching across the world for a cure to his injured hands, Stephen Strange travels to far-off Tibet to receive physical and spiritual healing from the renowned Ancient One, voiced by Michael Yammer. Initially blunt, presumptuous, and sceptical of his healing, Strange is opened up to a world of magical energy by the Ancient One and Wong, played by Paul Nakauchi. As he develops his mystical powers, he is told of his destiny to become Earth's Sorcerer Supreme. However, another student of the mystic arts, Mordo, voiced by Kevin Michael Richardson, becomes jealous of Strange and the attention being placed on him by the Ancient One and Wong. 
and tries to betray them all to Dormammu, voiced by Jonathan Adams from The Dark Dimension. That's Dormammu, not Jonathan Adams. (laughs) (laughs) Who is using the comatose children as a gateway to conquer the Earth. As they face down his evil threat, Stephen Strange uses his new abilities to fight Dormammu, but soon realises that despite all his immense power, he cannot save everyone. Excellent, thanks John. Uh, lots again in this movie. This is a this is this is a lot deeper into the mythology of Stephen Strange and of Doctor Strange, the masters of the mystic arts. Uh, we have got Dormammu in this one. Um, the other realms are mentioned and shown. So lots and lots going on. Well done for distilling it all down into uh, into your synopsis. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, yes, as I said in the synopsis. Um Jonathan Adams is not from the Dark Dimension. <laughs> no, he's not. It no, he's is Domino. Yeah. Out of all the Marvel animated direct-to-DVD Blu-ray films, for me, mm-hmm. this kind of represents the most dynamic, finely produced, and I'll say that with kind of hand on my heart, introduction to the world of Doctor Strange. It's something of a cross between Grey's Anatomy, Batman Begin, and some kind of, like, RPG action slasher game. Kung Fu fighting... <laughs> Um, but it's a good, it's a fine adaptation of kind of the, the mythos behind Doctor Strange. And, um, no matter if you're new or you're a lifelong fan like John, it's still, you still get some good stuff out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. There's an interesting story that I came across, uh, during a bit of research that I was doing for this where, uh, apparently Greg Johnson, the writer of, uh, of the movie, um, he based all of the scenes in the hospital on Eeyore, uh, which was a very popular show uh, around the time. Uh, and he actually had a surgeon come up to him afterwards and compliment on how well he uh, he designed the, the staging of uh, of the movie. Uh, and he had to kind of tell him, well, I actually didn't do any research. I just watched the TV show Eeyore. So, uh, so there is some influence in there uh, for, for Eeyore. So that was quite cool. Uh, yeah, overall, uh, similar. I, I did enjoy it. Um, overall, uh, there are some some marginal things that I'll probably talk about as we go through. A really good introduction to some very, uh, very different characters um, that Absolutely. we haven't seen before. I mean, this is a great introduction to Doctor Strange. Um, it certainly builds on the 1978 uh, TV movie. Absolutely. And maybe is, is slightly more um, closer to the the origin story. Mm. Again, it's, it's another origin story. And I suppose it's one thing I've always said about the character of Doctor Strange is that um, actually I think you have to be really careful when looking at comics on, on Doctor Strange because he does have a lot of retelling of the origin story. Yeah. It is a really good origin story, but for fans of of um, Doctor Strange, sometimes you kind of go, oh, not another origin story. And it's kind of like why Way of the Weird for me at the moment, the the, the current Doctor Strange um, comic series that's not linked to the film um, is really good because it isn't his origin. You know, it's the same with The Oath and um, with the, the Doctors Out. All those different comics they aren't origins. So, I mean, for me, I remember at the time, absolutely fa- fantastic that, you know, finally we were getting Doctor Strange in a movie um, and in an animated movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this was long before I thought there was going to be um, an October release um, of, of a Doctor Strange movie in 2016. Yeah. So um, this is a really good introduction. Yeah, it's got its issues i think um but it's a good introduction to the story and it builds on definitely 
the the 1978 TV pilot and TV movie, obviously and thankfully. Certainly, yeah. The, one of the things we did say in our review of that was that the great thing about this was that it's going to be based in an animated world, so they're able to do a lot of a lot of stuff you can't do in live action or couldn't have done. Definitely not in 1978 as a TV pilot. Um, Chris, do you want to kick off and give us your first point about Doctor Strange: The Animated Movie? Okay, guys, I'm going to start this off, and I know this. I'm typically. For new listeners and for our returning listeners, a bit of an explanation. I typically find some flaws where others may not. And okay, with this, and now I'm, I'm prefacing it in that I do enjoy this film as a whole, and I'll defend mm. parts of it later. But as that origin story, they did really turn the Doctor into a whiny before he becomes the Doctor. Back when he's mm-hmm. Stephen Strange, my God, he's whiny and like he's not that egotistical kind of schmarmy kind of doctor that you get in the other kind of origins and retellings. In this, he's kind of like the "woe is me, uh, life is terrible," um, <laughs> and okay, yeah, and I think. John, you're right about the origins, is that we usually do get a lot of origin retellings. Like, there's only so many times I, I want to see Spider-Man get his powers on mm-hmm. film. Absolutely. Um, but with this, like, I think the only, it, it's a plus and a negative. So they changed his backstory to include this kind of tragic element, um, of his sister, who mm-hmm. in the comics is named Donna. And in the this is being named April for some reason, Mm -hmm. which is a bit strange. But I just wonder if it's because she's wearing yellow and she looks like April O'Neil from the turtle. Could actually be it. Oh my (laughs) god! Yeah, I didn't think about that. I just thought it was that. Um, But so they use this backstory. They use that part being the sisters a part a tragic element of what's happening with the sister as a backstory that makes him rather than be kind of egotistical and schwarmy, he becomes this cold-hearted... I know schwarmy, I like that word. Uh, <laughs> he's more cold-hearted and he doesn't care about the world and money's his only thing and fame. Right. And I, that doesn't translate for me in terms really? of what the comic books were. He still, even in the 1978 film that we just kind of walked through, mm. he's still... He's schwarmy in that. He's... Like, he has that, he has that kind of je ne sais quoi that makes him, everyone love him at the same time as hating him. Can I ask what shawarma is? Uh, I, okay. I thought it was something you ate. Yeah, no, that's I mean, a shawarma. I think you meant smarmy. 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 Yeah, it's just, a, hey, look, I have an accent, okay? It's shawarmy and smarmy. Smarmy, yeah, shawarmy. Uh, shawarma. It's all the same. <laughs> uh, it's more the, it's like kind of that, the big headedness that I miss. Right. It's right. like he's more emo, self-depressed. Interesting you said that because that was one of my points as well. The arrogance of Doctor Strange is much more present in this version, I thought, than in the 1978 one. What we saw in the 1978 one was some kind of lovable rogue, I think, is what is what I saw. It's a guy that, you know, he's he's sleeping around, but that's okay. It's the 70s. <laughs> able to go and find himself a woman in any port or, you know, pretty much everybody's in love with him everywhere around him. Um, we don't see much of that with this Doctor Strange. There's definitely no love story that he's, that's being developed 
uh, around him. This is much more a story of his history with his with his sister, that kind of thing. Um, but he has some great moments of arrogance that I absolutely loved, and were ripped straight from straight from the comic books. Um, I love that he's got his uh, his assistant who's running up behind him with all the cases, and he goes, uh, "Would all the, would any of the medical journals be interested in this?" No, well then neither am I. <laughs> you know, that arrogance of him. The other one is that he's being shown the kids who are in comas and he's being told, um, you know, that, that there's, that's been some kind of growths on her brain. Um, the father says, uh, and she was having nightmares too before, before she lapsed into this coma and he goes, um, that's really bad for her, but I'm not a dream interpreter, you know? Um, it's like, it's like he just doesn't want to be involved in anything unless there's money involved. So, uh, that part of the story I actually thought was a bit better told than the 78 version. And, and I, it, it strikes me as more so, uh, more, more of Stephen Strange I know from the comic books. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't really think that 1978, that it was not a good version. It, it was just a different version mm. and the arrogance was lost. And I mean, Increasingly, that has become the central bit, and I think that um, that they got the arrogance. I mean, I I, I kind of had this as one of my points, you know, that there there was an element of the classical Doctor Strange origin story here, uh, of which the arrogance um, w- was part of it, and I think that was best told with Doctor Atwater in the hospital, um, you know, where he's going. Money brings recognition, and recognition keeps the people coming. Which brings money, mm-hmm. um, you know, and she goes as well. I'm sick of this hospital feeding your ego. There's a lot of stuff there. Um, e- even I think his boss ultimately says, um, you know, senior doctors wants to strangle each other. I can't run a hospital like this. And he, he kind of clarifies to say they want to strangle you, Steve. <laughs> like so, you really get the sense that he is disliked. Yeah. Um, and and even with an old flame, Doctor Atwater. That she is at the end of her tether. Um, so, yeah, yeah she, I mean. She pays for him to go to the other side of the world. She must really dislike no, him. No, well, that was it. That, that was the strange thing why she did that. But obviously there was an old connection there and obviously he was down and out at that time. Oh, so, absolutely. No, I'm um, being facetious. I do, I do understand. So it's kind of like, um, I think they captured the arrogance, I thought, pretty well. And then, um, I suppose in terms of his relationship with his sister, like that's i mean that's in the comics as well mm-hmm. and yeah i mean it, it translates that um ultimately in that he loses his sister so he disconnects from being effectively the kind of doctor that we saw in the 1978 tv pilot which is one that is in a public hospital is is helpful and tries to do his best and and, and instead we see this arrogant um doctor um ultimately crashing and burning yeah yeah and yeah i mean just expanding on that whole thing about you know this classical doctor strange it did also have a few twists and and different embellishments to it it wasn't just it wasn't um i suppose pure in that sense you you know you have that car crash that's been caused and it's through him seeing visions of children and and a direct uh influence of him seeing dormer move Mm -hmm. um so you know that's a slight um twist there and even the, the the slight awareness that he has of his gift in, in seeing Wong and, and that creature that they're fighting at the start um where he he is aware of them you know but he, he kind of shrugs all this off as not maybe he's just tired from being a doctor and working long hours or you know he's just 
He just doesn't put any stock in that. So, like, there are a few twists. And, I mean, as well, I think we do see um, a classical kind of Mordo, Baron Mordo here, who is, you know, straight off the bat, um, you know, is pretty unlikable as a character. And you can see that he... Um, thinks of himself as being king of the castle, um, and and you know he sees this usurper in Doctor Strange that he wants to kind of try and teach a lesson, put down, uh, and really ma- maintain his position or or his rightful role as he sees it as, as Sorcerer Supreme. I mean that's classical, uh, Karl Mordo, but actually it's a slight twist because it's right from the get-go that he is like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in, in the origin, he does, in a sense, befriend um, Doctor Strange. And I think we'll see this possibly in the the movie in October. Um, it's certainly been hinted at in a lot of sort of the reaction of the trailers that he seems to be helpful. And so I think um, with... with with Mordo, you definitely get a, a more once he does finally, you know, go after Stephen Strange. He is, um, it's definitely a more classical Mordo, but he he's just too aloof mm-hmm. from the outset. John, actually, just on that, and this is something you're going to need to kind of. I don't know if this was a Steve Ditko, Stanley kind of idea, or if this came later, but Mordo and Strange are kind of. Like you have this two sides of one coin that they were both started at the same point, both were kind of ego driven um uh-huh. type characters, whereas when Strange went left and became more uh, about the world protection etc etc then and that's where he focused his energy Mordo then kind of went right and became very self-obsessed more and more greater and greater that that level comes in is that something or am am i imagining this or is there a play on that more and more it's like it's absolute yeah it's i think it's absolutely that of two sides of the same coin um you know it's it's kind of that two-faced element with regards to you know um two people who ultimately um one becomes the Sorcerer Supreme, one doesn't. And it, but it, it's to do with how the cards play out as to the, 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 the route they go. Because I think in, in the classic origin story, uh, um, or it might be the Straczynski retelling, um, Mordo thinks he is going to be the Sorcerer Supreme Absolutely. and that the Ancient One is teaching him to become the Sorcerer Supreme of, uh, Earth. Um, and then, Doctor Strange arrives, um, and it becomes apparent that he isn't the rightful heir to this title. Um, and so effectively, it, it's that jealousy. It, you know, it is, it's a bit like the, the schoolyard where, you know, someone's getting more attention than another. And so, um, one of the kids goes off in a huff or, or, or something like that, <laughs> you know, yeah. but, but with adults and with magic. And it's, um, and and so that's what turns him ultimately to um say the dark side and, and he sells his 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 um his soul to Dormammu to effectively in, in jealous rage to kill the ancient one and destroy him because he thought that the sorcerer supreme title and him that that was his 
Okay, yeah, so that's an interesting, like, you have that dynamic a lot in the comic books, you have it a lot. We've yet to see it in, this. In I think, yet yeah, this will be, if, see, the MCU continues on down uh, with the elements of this, this will probably be the first time we see that where you have that dual character-driven type story. Hmm. Um, it's in, it's interesting, yeah. It's, it, I, I think it's kind of similar to what they tried to do with Loki and with Thor, possibly, where the two of them are the sons of uh, and oh, the yeah. heirs to the throne, and then Thor gets the throne. It's it's similar in a way yeah. to that. But I have to say, in this particular film, one of my points was about Mordo and uh, and the Ancient One's uh, conversation because I thought it was really well handled, where the Ancient One stands up to Mordo and says. Um, if you thought that you were supposed to be the Sorcerer Supreme, that was never on the cards, and your actions recently are the things that are justifying why you would never get this title. Um, you can definitely, th- you can definitely see that Mordo has been the leader of this group of the Masters of the of the Mystic Arts for what looks like years, protecting the Sanctum Sanctorum, making sure that the Ancient One uh, doesn't get killed and the Sanctum overrun. Um, so he obviously feels I'm the general of this army. So when what what's higher than the general, the president? So field marshal. Something like that. The field marshal. So when the field marshal dies, I'll become uh, I'll become the leader. Uh, but he's told with on a, no no unequivocal ter- terms, I guess he's told uh, you will not get this job. You will maintain your position as trainer and leader of uh, of the masters of the mystic arts, but you'll never become the sorcerer supreme. I thought that was really well handled in this story and did so show the other story that was being told here, which is uh, Mordo's rise to evil as Doctor Strange becomes the Sorcerer Supreme. I thought that was really well done. Yeah, abs- no, absolutely. And I mean, you know, Mordo himself, as you said, uh, Chris, he is arrogant. Um, and, you know, in in the in this movie, his arrogance is shown by, you know, the, the death of um, the, the two ladies putting up the spell um, I don't know their names, um, as they're sort of fighting. I think it's the Shinu, um, the two big kind of multi-teethed, uh, monsters that they, they go to, um, to, to destroy, but he disobeys the Ancient One's orders. So, um, you know, th- there's that recklessness as well. Yeah, yeah, totally agree, John. Chris, do you want to give us your next point? Sure. The visual kind of animation, it, it is very skillfully drawn, and I have, I have a soft spot for this. Style in that they also use it for the Ultimates and the Ultimates Two, right, in those anime right. in this Marvel animation. Yeah, yeah. Now they're not; they're all different universe. But I have a I have a soft spot for that kind of animation. While the fight scenes are impeccably drawn, um, I kind of miss that. I don't know the, the that kind of psychedelic. Steve Ditko, nineteen sixties crazy kind of multicolored. Like what we got in like the nineteen seventy eight film, I okay. feel I don't know why, but I feel some of that kind of astral plane craziness. It, it's that's where I thought it would take some of it, but it seems right. to be a much more grounded, almost like Batman: The Dark Knight. Kind of, it, this is set in this universe, so it's not going to be mm-hmm. oh too over the top. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I, can, I can see what you mean. You you easily would expect that as animation. Uh, they could take it a lot further yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah it, it was kind of weird in that... I, I agree. I, I love this uh, animation. It's kind of one of my points as well. Um, I, I love the kind of manga-esque style of it. And, and when you see the credits, you realize it, you know, a lot of the work has been done in, in um, Southeast Asia. Um, so, 
I really like that kind of look um, uh, of it. And I, I agree. I, I thought the best part where they really let go with all that psychedelic was the Nexus, where they kind of went to uh, the Nexus, where all the different realms come together, mm. and it was showing the, the, the seal of Vishanti uh, protecting all the other realms from the Dark Dimension, from Dormammu's power. Mm-hmm. And that's why I thought it really was... Uh, lovely, um, lovely animation. I thought it was really nice. And I felt it was a shame that when all these monsters, like the two, um, big beasts right at the opening, and um, the Shinu, uh, all these different, um, beasts that came to attack Earth, it was a shame they put them in a tornado, basically, mm. uh, rather than some kind of, um, you know, really colourful, psychedelic, mystical kind of thing where the the humans uh, didn't see. Because it, it didn't quite make sense to me uh, in the opening where Wong kind of says, right, I'm going to cloak us, create, um, you know, hide everything that's going on. But if they're on a different realm and so on, then they, they don't... Well, no, they were on the Earth. Yeah. So, But they, the monster was cloaked itself. Could you see that? And that, that's one of the yeah. things. Like, he does quickly use the eye and then they can all see him yeah and then and then yeah. we must cloak our activities and they create a, um, a tornado that then takes out a truck and a car and cause absolute <laughs> devastation when i i feel like they they it, i think it was just um maybe they just didn't know what to do and yeah. that was how they thought they would describe um the the explanation as to humans well, they just saw a tornado ripping mm. through New York City, whereas in fact it was all this magical, mystical energy and battles going on in that storm. But I would have loved if they had done more with that. Person. Exactly. Uh, for me, like I was expecting when they did those shifts that make you would get that kind of shimmer, and maybe it would be like looking through a bubble. You get the prism style kind of effect where you kind of yeah. see the, the breaking of all the colors and that would bring, even that what would bring in kind of the more of that. Because I agree with you. I, I was expecting more as, as I rewatched this thing probably for the like 10th time. Cause it's one of the ones I do go back to. I watch all these kind of animated, both DC and Marvel. They're great for nighttime watching, mm-hmm. but you do kind of then kind of go, well, yeah, why did that? Mm-hmm. Why did you yeah. do? So, I, I was actually watching one of the featurettes on the DVD, and they said that they wanted to ground the magic, and that's why some of these other disciples, like, use ribbon and a stick and earth. Right. Because they wanted to make it less Steve Ditko, let's jump in okay, and make okay. it more about tapping into your chi and all that. They, but they wanted to make it more kind of grounded, which mm-hmm. I think does make sense. Especially yep. when you start looking at these kind of like the, the ultimate universe was coming out in the Marvel comics about round then. So they were kind of trying to make the, all these grounded films, mm-hmm. uh, comic books as well. Sorry. But I think that that takes away from a bit of Doctor Strange. I think Doctor Strange is that he is the main connection to the realms of magic, etc. Yeah. In Marvel. Yeah. And I think. He's he's a more cerebral character, and that's what you expect. Um, like you expect, like when you walk into the San 
that you get a, a visual cue on the sanctum. You see him kind of levitating with cross-legged, uh, with a kind of floating book in front of him. And yeah. kind yeah. of then, like, he then passes to the astral plane. I t- no, I, t- I, I totally see what you mean. I think that, that they could have ramped it up, maybe, from the start of the film, um, having having a bit more uh, towards the end. I can see the impetus here for a character that wasn't very well known um, at the time. I don't think he had an active comic book, actually, in, in 2007. I think he was had played a part in some other stories, but he didn't have his own series in 2007, I think. So you'd be trying to introduce people to a character they wouldn't have known very well. Unlike something, someone like Hulk, when they had, when they had Planet Hulk coming out, everybody knew Hulk. Um, so, and the Ultimates, they're, they're formed around characters that you know from yeah. Marvel anyway. Um, so I think the idea here to ground it is similar to what they're doing in the films, uh, right now. And I think we're probably going to see a lot of what we're seeing in this film. We're probably going to see a lot of this style in the new film. Um, but I do think they're going to push it much further with, in terms of what they're going to do from, uh, from, uh, CGI and what they're going to do from special effects in the movie than they did in the animated, uh, movie. So, but interesting to know they were trying to ground it. Yeah. I think the slightly different tack that's really going to happen from what it seems to be, um, being described and how it, it looks on the teaser trailer is that, okay, everything's going inceptiony and, and there's all this, um, you know, psychedelic colors and there's all these incantations and spells going on, but the average punter has no idea that this is happening. So things are being destroyed and chaos is going on here, mm-hmm. there and everywhere on different, uh, planes, astral planes, but, you know, people are still walking down the street drinking their Starbucks yeah. coffee. Yeah. Like, whereas here it, it was like they were trying to hide something that they didn't need to hide ultimately. Right. right. Um, but I think for me as well, just quickly back on the animation, because it was one of my points as well. The other um two aspects that I really, really enjoyed was I loved the the, the drawings of the children and certainly when they were possessed. Mm. I, I just thought they were really, really good, really creepy. Um and of course, you know, scary children um is always good. <laughs> You've got to love them. Uh-huh. Um, you know, Freaky weird ass kids and um, possessed um by my command type of thing <laughs> it is fantastic Very always children a, of the corn, yeah. yeah always a winner for me uh children of the corn type stuff or um village of the damned midwich mm-hmm. cookies brilliant um and then I love the the poor dude being flushed down the sewers right at the start. I love <laughs> that where he's getting dragged back along the sewers uh-huh. uh, by one of the beasts and just all the water spraying up and his, his face. That to me rem- just reminded me of my childhood animation stuff, um, like on um, Ulysses oh, and so Cities of Gold good. and all this kind of stuff. Really good uh, looking. Uh, animation there. Yeah. I don't think it was consistent all the way through by any stretch, but I thought there were moments where the animation really let go and was really, really good. Even Absolutely. with Dormammu, I didn't kind of, I didn't really like his horn aspect. I, I thought I preferred the more classical look of, of Dormammu, okay. but I thought he was still done really, really well. Mm. Um, and I thought that was, um, Absolutely fantastic. Mm. Dormammu really reminded me of the Balrog from uh, from Lord of yeah. the Rings. I think that um, was why, because of the horns, it, it yeah. felt Balrog-y to yeah, me. It really did. Uh, yep. Yeah, no, no. Overall, liked uh, liked the animation, but um, 
But yeah, I love, I, I would love them to have gone further. Definitely. Uh, kind of brings me on to my next point. Uh, a slight negative, um, for me. I'm going to just call this the, the nameless ones. Oh. <laughs> because we had the nameless one in, uh, in our 78 episode and we all knew it was Dormammu. Uh, in this, the nameless ones, I, I, I just don't understand why we couldn't have had a, a character name for anybody other than the main six or so yeah. members of the cast. <laughs> um, there yeah, it's are, really old. There are yeah. so many characters in here that I want to know just that did they have an origin in the comic book? Where did they appear in, in a series sometime in the 70s and they're bringing them back as the masters of the mystic arts here? Are we supposed to know who they are by their by their style or by the weapon that they choose or something like that? I'd love to just know, you know, one character's name other than Mordo and Wong and uh, and Stephen. Um the amount of these of these people that look really interesting. Now, obviously, later on in the movie, you realize the reason they're not telling you their names is because they're killing them all. <laughs> um, but I do think this would have made a great pilot for an animated series, um, and you would have kept those characters around. Uh, but it really, I really struggled with it uh, throughout throughout the time. I kept kind of asking myself, why aren't they telling us who these characters are? Yeah, they've obviously all worked together for years. Surely they'd call out a name here and there. But they they did, mm. and but the thing is, it wasn't enough. That you you kind of didn't get the the introduction to this team, this this mystical sort of eighty mm. that was being led by Mordo and Wong. I mean, I caught Lucy, I caught Regina, I think, um, I caught Adina. Uh, and I think Nero or or Miro, right. but it wasn't very clear. It, it wasn't you. You kind of weren't introduced to these people. Yeah. And the thing is, is that if you had have been, because most of them, if not all of them, died, you would have really felt something. But because you didn't really know their names, then it it didn't really matter too much. Yeah. There was the Irish guy with the magical snakes. Oh God, um, yeah. Yeah, there was the uh, the guy with the pole sending the tree up to to kill mm-hmm. those um the wing mog. But like all these deaths and yet um you didn't really know what their name was yeah. and you weren't introduced to them. So you kind of went, "Well, oh, okay then." I found myself more often going, "Oh, there's the guy with that power that he's able to put a shield around himself for the red the red shield." Okay, and um, do I know anybody in the comic books that has a red shield around them? Who's that? I found myself questioning if I knew the character uh more than actually focusing on what the character was doing. Um so I felt there was a little bit of a drawback for me for for this particular film. The other thing to remember about this is we we are not the target audience for this film. Mm-hmm. Like these films were created as a way to bring the Gen Z generation into Marvel before the Marvel kind of full MCU kicked off in the way that we would know it now when we talk about it now. Yeah, absolutely. Like this absolutely. was a way to bring kids, get them interested in Doctor Strange, get them interested in Captain America and the Avengers back then as the ultimates to get him interested in the Hulk who was going through a dip because of the other films. And I totally agree with you, Chris. Um, but I, I actually think that adds to why it's such a big drawback for me. Um, the character that I'm going to call Lucy, cause I think that's the one time they say her name, uh, who uses the, uses the silk, um, to take down one of the monsters. She wraps it around his legs and pulls him off the wall. Uh, I'd love to know who that character was cause I want to know more about her. Um, but I have no idea who that is. 
And I'm assuming that kids that watched it back in 2007 would have had the same feeling if they enjoyed that character and they want to explore more of her in the comic books. Well, you try and find a name, even on the internet now, of who that character was. Uh, I don't know whether it was whether it was uh, Nika Minoru, who's in the uh, Doctor Strange prequel comic. Um, there's just no connection at all. And the name isn't said. There's no name given in the credits or anything like that. So I think it's actually a bigger drawback if you don't call out some names of characters that people that, that kids... Uh, might want to go out to the comic book shop and pick up a comic that has that character in there. Uh, yeah, okay, I'll actually agree with you on that then. Not yet. Yeah. When you look at it from that perspective, yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming some of our listeners actually probably know exactly who these characters are. They probably know them better than, better than we do. I've seen this movie a few times. I know John has, and Chris, you said you've watched it quite a few times as well. Um, but I definitely couldn't find anything about these characters. I was searching for it on the internet quite a bit afterwards to find out, and I couldn't find any of them. So, but that's my that's my one big uh, big drawback. Actually, that's my only big drawback, uh, really, for the film. Uh, John, do you want to give us your next point? Yeah, um, it is. I, I really um, enjoyed having, um, and I know Chris has alluded to this. I really enjoyed seeing um, his sister April. I love seeing uh-huh. Stephen. And his sister, because actually, like, it's an additional thing to the TV pilot. Um, it, obviously, as Chris said, um, April is actually Donna in the comics. Um, Stephen also has a brother called Victor. And I mean, they play some really important kind of parts in, 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 in his own story. I think Victor being en- encanted back to life through the Book of the Dead. Ooh. Um, and becoming a, a, a vampire, basically. What? Um, all oh, the vampiric verses and so on. So, like, I, I really, um, I really like the fact that his sister was there because I think his sister, um, is so central to the sense that Doctor Stephen Strange is an isolated character, both when he's human and as Sorcerer Supreme, mm. primarily because of. Before he becomes Sorcerer Supreme, he's isolated because of his arrogance. And this all kind of comes from the fact that he couldn't save his sister in, in this movie. Yeah. Um, you know, I think in, in, in the comics, she drowns. Um, right. and, he, and he can't, that, that's what sort of knocks him off from being, um, a, a kinder doctor, I suppose, right. rather than really, uh, sort of being focused on, bringing in money and just yeah. being a well-paid surgeon. I like that change here, I must say. I like, I like the idea that he's training so hard to get to become the best possible surgeon so that he could save his sister and then he doesn't save her. So he kind of doesn't know what to do with those skills now. No, he yeah. knows he can make money out of them. He knows that he's the best in the field because he needed to be to try and save his sister, who turns out to be unsavable. Um, but I like that, that change. I think that's a really good, a really good idea. And of course, then when he does become Sorcerer Supreme, he is slightly isolated then, not by arrogance so much, but more just the fact that he's actually in other realms and away from people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really like that. And I, and I think here as well, I really loved, um, how it linked in with that love, lost pain, um, conversation that he has with the ancient one you know where he, the ancient one goes you're a savior but not all lives are destined to be saved I, he couldn't do anything about his sister and it's the same even as being such an immensely powerful sorcerer supreme not everyone can be saved 
um, but with his powers. Yes. He isn't all powerful in many respects. People will still die or he can't get to everyone. Um, and I think just within the film, his sister's story and him, you know, his obsession with finding a cure for his sister, it, it just mirrors and, and repeats Stephen's own obsession with finding a cure for his own injuries. Yeah. Um, to, to his hands. Um, so I thought that was a nice little touch as well. Absolutely, absolutely. So Chris, what's your next point? So I'm going to do a nice little ditty to start off how my point goes. And everyone was kung fu fighting. <laughs> oh, that was actually so cool. Yeah! <laughs> okay, so actually, most surprisingly, which I, what I wasn't expecting, kind of uh, thinking back on it now, is the effectiveness of the action sequences. Right. Like, if you were to translate those into real, into real life kind of... Uh, live action. Live action, there's the word. They really are beautifully choreographed. Mm-hmm. And um, the fights have meaning because you have death. Right. And you know what right. I mean? So, like, they're really yeah. well choreographed, but when people get hurt, they get hurt and then they die. And I think yeah. that's something you don't usually see. Anyone who dies in a comic book usually isn't dead. So, yeah, but this they actually are to a degree, and it adds a greater depth. The audience of this is a kids' film, but there's a more, uh, there's an adult element to this where you can probably see where someone did watch Kung Fu the series on TV when they were right. growing up, and they added that sorrow and pain to the fight sequences, mm-hmm. and then kind of said, "No, we're not going to make this where everyone just gets a little cut and ends up all bandaged and." Kind of back in the original, in back in Tibet, they yeah, they, yeah. they die. Yeah, absolutely. Like there's even there's there's one battle where they lose four people uh, straight straight away. That's the one where um where the ancient one has told Mordo what he needs to do, and Mordo doesn't follow his orders, so they lose four individuals, friends, as 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 uh, the ancient one tells him. It would be great if we knew the names. Which is my point <laughs> earlier on, obviously. Yeah. Because then they could also be almost friends of ourselves, I suppose. Uh, but I totally get you, Chris. I think that's the cool thing about it is uh, everybody's got their own unique ability and everybody's got their own unique power, it seems. So uh, that does make the fights a bit more dynamic. I absolutely love the battle between uh, the Masters of the Mystic Arts and the Wolves. Yeah. I think that's a cool little... Oh, that's super. Uh, really stylishly done. Yeah. yeah really cool. Um, like, that. that's one of my points is the the... the battles with, with the creatures i actually really like all of them um to be honest uh, for different reasons i think the shadow hounds are just really well done it's it reminds me of attack the block um the the big oh, yeah. black beasts there or vice versa maybe i mm-hmm. uh, thought that was really cool and I, I suppose to be honest as you say even though i've just said because you didn't know the names, you didn't care about them. That's not entirely true. What I mean is that could be the case, maybe, for some people. Um, but I, I think, um, for, for me, it was partly the case. But then just the deaths just kept racking up, kept racking up. And you're like going, oh, my goodness. And basically, it's only Wong and Stephen Strange that, that come out alive. I mean, the, the ancient one is novels. Um, all the, uh, Mordo is taken by Dormammu. Mm-hmm. Even Dormammu doesn't survive, uh, well, well, only temporarily, no doubt. Um, yeah. and, you know, everyone gets killed. Yeah. Except those two. Absolutely. And it is, that is really, actually, I was gonna say, refreshing for an mm-hmm. animated, um, 
movie. Um, it's really good. I love the wing mug as well. I love the fact that that was to me. Um, I'm trying to think of the, the cartoon that I, I watched. It must be Ulysses actually, but just the way they flew past and swirled around and then there was a skeleton there. Um, loved that. that. Cool. I just thought it was so good. It really reminded me of like, Piranha 80, yeah, it was, <laughs> yeah. Um, it really reminded me of, um, you know, 80s, uh, early 90s animation and in, in a good way. I mean, it was just really well done with, with the wing mog. Um, but yeah, all of the battles were brutal. Uh, I think the best one was with the shadow hounds. Mm-hmm. So definitely that was the most stylistic with the light and, and, and all that. I thought that was really, really cool. It, it makes me wonder. How they're going to translate it into the, the, the upcoming All Roads Lead to Strange, um, mm-hmm. film. In that, are we almost going to get a Matrix style kung fu movie? Remember that scene with mm-hmm. Neo and. Uh, oh, do I remember that scene? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's burnt into my mind. Yeah. yeah. But like, <laughs> are we going to get that or are we going to get this more, what I kind of perceive as a more superior kind of fight scene fight style in that they they use magic but they create magic weapons mm. like that's what i would love to see almost like these spiritual weapons are created because then you then you can have a lot more fun it was a very interesting choice in this film to have that idea of pulling weapons out of out of thin air and using actual swords versus actual swords yeah um I, i'm not sure whether that's going to be something they're going to do in in this uh, in the, in the upcoming film from Scott Derrickson, I don't know whether that's what they're going to do. I think it is going to be yeah, battles it's of, difficult to of know. magic versus magic. Um, the the kind of things that we've seen, magic versus magic versus shields, that kind of thing. Um, I'm not sure whether we're going to see actual weapons being created out of thin air. Because um, I just because you can imagine that could be like will against will. My will keeps my sword here while yours mm. falters, and that could be like you could. I can imagine that with like. The, with Benedict kind of like pressing his sword against his enemy, kind of like fighting and uh, uh, they're fighting on the astral plane with wills, where they're fighting right. on the physical plane with kind of like yeah. the, the swords of magic and air. And I think I, I think I can still see that kind of thing happening. I'm just not too sure whether they're going to shape them into metal swords like the way they do in this in this animated film. Um, I think it will, we will see it as magic pushing against magic, kind of like, you know, force, the force in, in Star Wars pushing against each other, you know, that kind of, that kind of concept, I think. Yeah. And, and as well, um, I mean, they do have weapons as well. You know, it's not just books and, and the eye of Agamasso. There is the, the acts of Angamarus, Angaramus, I think is how you pronounce it. Like it, it's in the current, um, Marvel, Lego Marvel. Right, the, the all new Doctor Strange. So he, he, the the all new Doctor Strange is walking around with an axe, and oh, I yeah. presume that that's um, the axe of Angarumas right. or Angarumus or something like that. Are they the ones that that Mordo gets out of the air in the in the battle with, um, with Doctor Strange? It could it could have been, yeah, it could have been. And um, so he definitely has those kind of weapons. So it'd be interesting to see how they form. Definitely in the film. Um, but yeah, I loved it as well. Them just forming out these weapons out of the the air and um you know the ancient one saying he perceived it to be a threat so it was yeah mm-hmm. like oh, that was great it's a concern i do have when every mcu film up to pretty much to date has a physical 
fisticuffs, weapons, guns element. And this would be, if they were smart, this could be a way to still imbue that kind of keep it quite centered. While if you're going to be like shooting, it's one of the things like, like Superman with his like laser vision. Uh-huh. It's called Laser Vision on Superman. This is how bad I am with DC guys, really. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> you know, with Batman with right his thing, throwy things. Heat. It's heat, isn't it? Heat, heat rays. rays. Yeah. And laser vision. Uh, yeah. um, that's kind of like, you literally have mutants. It's almost that if you, if you kind of use style where you're going to have guys like shooting fire from their hands. Mm. We yeah. haven't really had that yet. No. And I think that's where the, you're going to, they're going to have to set up some I think this is going to be the first step. It's going to be a hard first step. We're then going to kind of go, okay, suspend disbelief. Yeah. We're going to have guys chanting, chanting, muttering, and then doing things with their hands, and then, like, firing fireballs. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes me really excited about this. There's a real opportunity here to do something brand new in the Marvel Universe and, and something that we haven't seen in cinema for quite a while as well. So uh, I'm really excited to see what they, how they overcome that challenge. I hope they don't, uh, personally, totally my opinion, obviously, uh, I hope they don't uh, fall back on a trope. Uh, to, to use a word, um, where they where they try and make it like the other films for that reason. These guys are magical. They work in different realms. They should be able to battle against each other like no other person can. You know? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I think um, I think that that's a really interesting thing, but it definitely it was a great thing within the the animation. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could you can bring this a, a, a lot of it. Um, and ask how are they going to do that in the up and coming movie? Um, you know, but certainly, like the shields of seraphim scene right at the end of the second teaser trailer looks really visceral, even though it seems to be like she- magical shields up against a magical sort of wave or something. One of the other things I would say is like you get a lot of um, the evil creatures here being unleashed onto the earth, and um, the shadow hands, the shinu, the the wing mog. Um, and, and the two creatures right at the start, at, at the opening. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, you know, I don't want to talk about the, the, the movie coming up too much, but to what extent are those kind of creatures going to even exist, um, to begin with in the Doctor Strange movie? Or is it just going to be human protagonists? Right. Yeah. You know, I, I, I presume it will be, but you know, I think one of the great things about, uh, this here, Except for maybe Dormammu, of course. Um, <laughs> yeah. But one of the great things about uh, the animated film is, is that you have all these creatures. It is a different element, you know, yeah. that comes in having all these different evil creatures being unleashed by Dormammu. Yeah, I, I don't mean to go back to it again, but there's, there is a um, there is one of the one of the creatures really did remind me of uh, the creature that's left on Earth after Thor: of The Dark World, the one that the big. Uh, kind of doggy looking oh creature with gigantic teeth. Yeah. Um, so I think there is a bit of a connection here with the Thor universe that I think they're setting up some of those creatures. Yeah, you know, maybe. Possibly there is that, that's who finds that creature is Doctor Strange going to London to find that creature from uh, Thor the Dark World. But you in fairness, as long as they don't do it that badly, are uh, the end <laughs> of that where it was hopping off into the sunset <laughs> uh, across London. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, may- maybe instantly on the other side of that wall, oh. there's Doctor Strange cutting it in half. 
and sending it back to and the And then sends an agents of cool. shield with hoovers and dusters to go. I mean, oh my goodness. Absolutely. Anyway, Derek, what's your next point? I think it's my final point. It's about the ancient one. I love how he's handled in this. This is a, it's a pretty good role. Um, it's a pretty standard role. I suppose something that we would have seen in things like Karate Kid. Um, you know, as you mentioned, Chris Kung Fu, there's always the ancient leader who trains someone in the mystic arts, but I like his sense of humor. Uh, he's got, a, got a good sense of humor with, uh, with Stephen, uh, his instant one where he puts Stephen to work cleaning the floors. And Stephen goes, do you expect me to wash these? And he goes, well, I'm too old to do it. And then he goes, how am I going to use my hands uh, to with these brushes? And he goes, that's between you and the brushes and walks off and leaves him behind. Uh, and he leaves him for what seems like about a month trying to break down a wall that doesn't exist. That's pretty <laughs> harsh. You know, every single day Stephen's going, Stephen's going out and he's giving him no guidance at all. But it feels like a bit of a sense of humor, but he does eventually uh, change and help. Uh, Stephen on the path to, to becoming the Sorcerer Supreme, which I really enjoyed. I liked, I liked the idea. He is supportive. He does realize that to overcome the challenges, you have to do it yourself. He's got some great lines in there about that motivational kind of a concept. Um, and I do, I, I think if this was, was to continue, this wasn't a pilot for a TV show. If it was the pilot for a TV show and it was going to continue into a, into a show, you'd miss the presence of the ancient one. Um, he does feel like a really good, uh, kind of grounding and guiding hand. Uh, within this universe. And that's a really good piece because the ancient one did survive for quite a few issues in the, in the comic books. He was around for quite a long time. Oh, absolutely. Um, it, it wasn't that the, the mantle was passed over to Stephen immediately and he became the Sorcerer Supreme and that was it. Nobody else was around. So, uh, I like how they developed him in here. I like, I liked how they did him. Yeah, definitely. Um, I love this whole scrub on, scrub off, uh, thing. Uh-huh. Um, you know, the wall dismantling and the bare sleeping room, which then got a gorgeous looking kind of jacuzzi bath. Uh-huh. Um, I thought that was really, <laughs> uh, really cool, but you know. You just have it, to take down an entire castle to get that after exactly. one night. Yeah. It's the hard challenges of, of the body for spiritual enlightenment. Mm-hmm. That's all you have to do. Um, I thought that was really good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also loved the, uh, the the pushing the stone with uh, with no weight. I thought that was quite cool. Uh, yeah, really enjoyable. Yeah, absolutely. I know you normally ask me questions, but the one thing and the one question that I want to ask you two uh, guys is because they kind of explain the magic here. He talks mm-hmm. about ma- matter is energy and sorcery is wielding the energy. Yes. Um, and I know Chris, you had kind of uh, talked about how it's the, the science behind uh, Thor. Uh, the movie is saying, you know, things that you would consider magic are actually, um, are, are, are science to us, that kind of thing. Um, like, what did you think of explaining the magic? Do you think it's explaining the magic away or do you think it's nice having that grounded element to it? I mean, a bit like you said previously, Chris, that, you know, they were trying to sort of pull that in anyway. I, I, I'm hoping. They, I loved what they did with this because exactly what that is like they're control. You're controlling energy. You're controlling matter as a whole. So that's where they make the weapons from. That's how he the the, the stone has no weight. The wall constantly reappears, and I think that's a good way of doing it. So if you're turning away, so if you're turning around now to the whole new audience coming soon and saying, "Hey." We're not going to scare you by introducing all this crazy mumbo jumbo. This is basically, you've seen it before with Thor. This is just a different element where Thor was technology, 
this is controlling mm-hmm. matter. Like they they have found a way to bend space time to what they want to control. And I think that then gives some people, the audience, I think what they did here, the audience goes, okay, here's a thread for you to understand and pull yourself along because without that, then you're really suspending a lot of belief. Yeah, yeah, no, I'd agree. I think it's really well handled. It does, of course, uh, remind me of the Star Wars kind of concept of uh, the force that, that surrounds you and binds us together. Um, Absolutely. And the force is a way of controlling that. Uh, obviously, Doctor Strange was around well before George Lucas uh, was around. It's all so, about the metachlorians. Um, everything if they go down that everything route, leads to the no, metachlorians. No, it doesn't, Chris. If they go down that route, I will <laughs> scream. Um, yes, but I do like how they described it in here. I like the, I like that concept of it's it's the chosen few or the lucky few of us that can do it. So again, it's pointing out that it's not everybody in the world. It's not something you can train everybody in the world. There has to be a basic understanding and you have to be a chosen one to be able to use that. Yeah. Yeah. But if they do, I will scream. And it may be a scream like Darth Vader at the end of episode three <laughs> in the cinema. <laughs> no. Something along those lines, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, Chris, what's your final point? So, it's actually my penultimate, and I'll I'll try and kind of kind of talk through them. And these are very much a kind of thought stream. So, go with me on this. The adult themes, nature of the plot here is quite harsh, and I mean that if you kind of think about that, there's there's a a non screen suicide. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes. They monsters. I don't like kind of a lot of films where monsters don't hurt people or kill people. You know, where like there's right. monsters tearing through the city. So it's one of the reasons yeah. a lot of people don't like Zack Snyder's um, suit, Man of Steel, because he destroyed Metropolis. Yeah. And I'm like, no, but that's real. That's that brings well, an yeah. element to it. Um, the tension created there is so. Well, still marketing this as a 12s, 12, I believe this is a 12s, uh, mm-hmm. in a lot of, a lot of the worlds or kind of teen. You've got the death of the sister. You've got the guy, you've got the doctor trying to commit suicide. You've got, mm-hmm. um, you've got people like blood. You actually see blood or, or animated blood. Yeah. Uh, like this created, um, a, a real high tension in a film where, don't you or in a film style that you don't usually get that, and I think yeah, they, yeah. they it's one of the reasons I and I think you guys like comic books as well is that they the comic book franchise or the world of the business world as well as the kind of cultural world that has been is it's not afraid to touch on subjects that political correctness or kind of the world we're in now don't like touching on. So right, like in right. this, you see. Stephen Strange gets so low after kind of go, literally getting to the hitting rock bottom that he tries to mm-hmm. kill himself. Yeah, uh, like if this was any other, if this was a, a I don't say a Disney film, or like if it was any other type of kind of show, they they wouldn't do that. That's true, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. and it does it does feel it does feel like one of the really good DC animated films. Is that there's, I think it's well known out there really that DC do great jobs with their Batman animated films, with their Superman animated films. Um, 
things that you wouldn't expect. If you don't read comic books, and if you're not involved in the comic book world, you probably don't know that comic books are actually really, really deep. A lot of people tend to see, you know, the capes and cows, uh, and that's kind of it. And then they just ignore them and go, these are for kids. Um, we're a lot older than kids. <laughs> and we're still reading them. And there's, there's definitely things that happen in those books that, uh, that do touch on, uh, quite dangerous and quite difficult topics that people wouldn't uh, expect them to. It's not just the villain of the week and punching someone in the face and that's the end of the story. It can be that too. And that, that's fun. Yes, Sam um, Raimi. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but in this case, there's definitely, uh, uh, there's definitely some serious topics. And, and yeah, if, if a kid's not mature enough to, to watch this, I can see why it is marked as 12s, uh, as an animated film. It's not for general audiences. Um, I could definitely see see that, but yeah, there's some serious stuff tackled in here, and I, I, I like that as well. Yeah, yeah and it's like I, I, actually that's something I love. I have, and actually I use that word sparingly, but especially in 2016 where we are now, a lot of our the bigger comic book names such as your Iron Man, your Thor, your Captain America are all touching on what I would call very tough topics. Everything mm-hmm. from gender bias to um, racism to every, you name it. Like back in, um, uh, it would have been, I think, in the 70s. Correct me if I'm wrong. I know someone out there can probably better tell me. Green Arrows. Um, now this is, uh, this is a spoiler, but like it's from like 40 years ago. So you could have, okay, you're right. gonna, oh, sorry, you're gonna have to get, uh, Speedy, uh, to Green Arrows psychic was found uh-huh. doing drugs and they put it on the cover. Back when heroin was becoming a big deal. Right. And right. I think that's the, the, the piece that while sometimes the art style is made for kids and it's like that Absolutely. hit the, the, the villain of the week, they still touch on these subjects. And I think that's why, like, there is these adult versions of comic books where you have, like, The Walking Dead and Invincible and, uh, Saga and where we're growing up as a, uh, as an audience and the writers and the, the industry is growing up with us. Absolutely. Like, it would not surprise me if they have a, 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 a an R-rated cut, 18s-rated cut of this animation film. Right. Like, the, the way they really kind of went a bit deeper and harsher. Because it is right. violent, and it's adult violent, and yeah. it's... Yeah. It, like, you don't... He bankrupts, he bankrupts yeah. himself as well, mm-hmm. leading to him about to chuck himself off he the does bridge, chuck himself know? off the bridge that's the thing he does. Yeah, he that's does, the bit yeah. that I went like if they had him on the bridge they, you could probably pass it away to a kid as this is yeah. him kind of contemplating his life but he he full on jumps off and he flies and like he was mm-hmm. about to hit the water and then Wong says him and I'm like whew that's a tough yeah, one absolutely. absolutely yeah 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 totally agree Chris so John what's your next point Um, I have it's just uh, Dr. Atwater, um, but also Wong as well. Um, I really like the fact that these two were kind of a, a support around Stephen Strange, even though he didn't know it, um, at all. And I think, um, I love the fact that this was kind of connected between the two of them, Dr. Atwater and, and Wong, um, were they, they kind of say uh, and repeat the same thing, uh, to, to Doctor Strange. So, um, like, Doctor Atwater kind of goes, um, you know, you don't need your hands to continue to be a doctor, you know, when, uh, Stephen Strange is really at a low air, but he, I think he's, it's just in the hospital room. Yeah. Stephen Strange really is being absolutely 
vicious and awful to her in this, where he, he, um, you know, you think I had this coming to you, he says to Atwater, you know, uh, and she's absolutely shocked at this. You know, he thinks absolutely the worst of his colleagues, uh, just in the same way, um, that, you know, he is arrogant. And I love the fact that, you know, she kind of, echoes what Wong says later on by saying you don't need your hands to continue to be a doctor um, uh, and again when Stephen Strange is, is, is with Wong and he says I'm a doctor I need my hands Wong says no you do not and um, there are other ways to, to use them with purpose mm-hmm. um, but he goes then then there is no reason for me to be here so it's like the, these two things echo between uh, Atwater and uh, and Wong, and I, I kind of like that because you kind of have his uh, you know uh, spiritual protector in Wong and his earthly protector with Atwater, who has obviously been doing maybe uh, some of the healing after the crash. Mm-hmm. Uh, she gives him the money to go on, on this final uh, sort of trip. Uh, or last gasp efforts to to Tibet, um, which she didn't need to because I mean he's been an absolute arse. Yeah. Um, so I really really liked that uh, yeah. that she keeps her head above uh, the water on this and she doesn't descend to to his kind of level. And I like that then the connection between um, th- through telling Stephen that you can still help people yeah. without being this. Myanical surgeon and, and and this obsession with your hands being perfect. I, I I like that absolutely, and I like that he comes back to Atwood at the end and tells her I have absolutely, changed. Yeah. You know, it, it does it does show the progression of of Stephen uh, and kind of says you'll see more in future. So uh, so again, we we may have seen her in a in a future a future incarnation or a follow film. Uh, Chris, what's your final final point? Uh, I don't like to do this, but I'm gonna actually, for this time, just the way that the, our points kind of uh, came up there. I, I did actually find flaws in this film. And mm-hmm. it, it, it's actually just one flaw, and it stems from actually watching the 1978 version first, which is wow, a weird right. one, but when we get to that middle section of the film, where Doctor Strange as a character, he doesn't seem all filled by magic. If, right. you know, kind of in oh, terms okay. of how quickly he grasps he, like the the magic surging through his fingertips, almost like, and when he's thrust later in the film into the 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 stereotypical mold of being a hero, mm-hmm. he does it without resistance, without yeah. doubt, without like even question, really, mm-hmm. and I think that's. The one, it, it was trope. I, hey, I got to say it in this episode. Yay. <laughs> Score one on the Defenders TV podcast bingo. Um, <laughs> like when you just basically as a storytelling device, you can just say that the hero accepts the role of being a hero. Whereas mm-hmm. I, what I liked actually in the 1978 is he asks, why me? Why, why do I need to do this? Like, yeah. why can't I help? Being the doctor who I am, why do you need me to work on this mystic level? And I suppose mm-hmm. that's just something that, yeah, there's definitely something missing. Mm-hmm. I think um, because he suddenly, even just him tackling Dormammu after effectively seeing him once on a, a training ground with with Mordo, 
Um, and he's taking on like the, like a immensely powerful dark yeah. magician in, in Dormammu from the dark dimension. Yeah, it's, it's really weird to, it, it feels as though there's a piece missing. I definitely get you, Chris, in what you're saying. There's a, a piece missing and it's that connection from him, um, really starting his training to becoming this all-powerful, no-holds-bar no um, Sorcerer Supreme, it feels like there's something being left out, whether right. it's just a right. scene or, or, or something. And I think it's even just the fact that he's so blasé about the, 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 the psychic connections with the kids at the start and, and seeing some of these things. And he just rubs his eyes or even walking into the, the, um, the temple in Tibet. And well, hang on. The ancient one's floating with his legs crossed. Yeah. Would that yeah. not absolutely send you bonkers? Um, I, I, I wonder if that's the animation style because he does, he does have a shocked look on his face because, uh, when he sees that, but it doesn't look as shocked maybe as you would expect, I suppose. Um, what I kind of got from it is that it felt like they were trying to tell too much in the time they had available. Um, so we have the opening scenes where, where they're, they're chasing down the, uh, the creatures from another dimension. Um, then we have the kids in the hospital, uh, who are in a coma. And then we have about 40, 40 minutes, I think, of, of Doctor Strange in training, which seems to last in, in real time. It lasts about, uh, about five or six years, maybe. And then he goes back to New York and the kids are still in comas and there's even more that have been added. Like, it, it feels like so much time has passed since he was in the hospital. Yeah. And then he goes back to, to try and save them from Dormammu. But it feels like it, those two pieces of the film aren't connected. Yeah. It feels like those should be two completely different films. One an origin story and another one when Dormammu attacks the world. Absolutely. And there's also these four big creature battles mm. as well that occur, yeah. which... Um, you know, I, I was kind of watching it a second time. I was thinking, oh, the Wingmog is coming in next. And then it was like, oh no, there's the Shinning. <laughs> and then that's quite a big chunk. And okay, it, it sets out the story that Mordo is pretty bad and he's gone against the Ancient One's mm-hmm. wishes. But like, there's four huge battles that occur with evil creatures, which could have been purred down to two to allow a bit of space. Maybe. Um, to, to maybe explore more of Doctor Strange or to see him really grow. I think you just miss that kind of yes, growth of him it. becoming the, the, the Sorcerer Supreme. Yeah. And okay, it's a film. It's only got so long. Yeah. But, um, I think you, you kind of just miss that side of it a bit. Um, you know, he's taken down the wall one minute where he's shown no magic. And the next thing he, he's, um, He's beating Mordo and doing sword fights. Uh, even that was a shock. And then for him to conjure up whatever spell it was that made him destroy Dormammu, I just kind of thought, wow, that is that is a steep learning curve. Do, do you remember the, the, the line in the this 1978 one where it's like, you have all this power, you're like a loaded weapon. Uh, yes, that was, was the actual quote. It's like you're basically a loaded weapon, um, but with no safety. And we need to train yes, you how to use it. You're like, you're like a child yeah, with a gun. That was it. You're yeah. a child with a gun. Yeah. I think that would have been a, 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 a more organic, healthy storytelling element to do it, where they had have said, mm-hmm. they taught him all this thing, and then basically went, look, you are still learning. And then he fires off the nuke 
that destroys Dumamu or sends him back, and then you would be able to say, okay, but you still need training now. Like, you you got this amazing power, and you're able to conjure these things that some of us can't even think about. You are a chosen one, but you still need to learn control. You need to be that hero. And when he just goes, yeah, right. I'm going to be a hero, I'm suddenly going to put on my cool coat, which is a cool coat, by the way. It is a cool coat. It's it's no well, it's yeah. no cloak of no, but it's just I think that's the, the I think that's the thing. There was Very cool. John, you made it. You hit the nail on the head. There's not there's probably expedited growth within the mm. time amount that's trying to be told. And yes, it's a direct to DVD the... Blu-ray film. Like they couldn't do three uh-huh. hours of animation. It would take them forever. Yeah. But I think it was just more. You could have done it with a few quick scenes, like thirty seconds scenes, yeah. where like there's a reason 1980s film have montages. <laughs> to show the progress. Yes, but at the rate the masters of the mystic arts are getting slaughtered, they really don't have time <laughs> for it, don't they? Uh, okay, we need you as a source of supreme. Just go out there, uh, wake up the kids, and that will send Dormammu back to his dark dimension. You don't have to do anything else. All you have to do is go into their dreams, wake them up, uh, it'll be grand. Uh, off we go again. That's it. They're losing um, personnel to train. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, I think we've gone pretty in depth into uh, the animated movie of Doctor Strange. Anybody have any notes? Oh yeah, I've well, I've got one. I've quick got one. two. I've got one quick one. Okay. Uh, my first one because I I haven't had a point in a little while. Um, did you notice the little shout out to uh, to Doctor Blake in the in the hospital? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, everybody got him. Uh, yes, so Dr. Blake is uh, the human persona of Thor, uh, particularly the early versions of Thor, uh, which had a hidden version of uh, of him on Earth. Uh, christened Dr. Blake, we do see uh, the the version walking through the hospital with his blonde hair, carrying his uh, his trademark walking stick. So uh, quite a cool little moment. Uh, again, they'd already done uh, Thor in, in some of the other uh, animated movies at the time, so nice little shout out there. Um, and Chris, do you want to give us your one of your notes? Okay, I'm just going to do this because it's an Easter egg, and I'm pretty sure we've all got it. The uh-huh. the 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 picture hanging on the wall in his office. Did you guys see this? No. Okay, in Strange's office at the beginning of the film, there's a still from the 1978 film. How did I, I not know? See that? I didn't spot go, that. Go back to go, like really so. It's literally someone told me this years ago, and it's ever since. And I, I, your eyes, your eyes are drawn to when he's like, there's something else going on. But just scan the background. It was a lovely nod. You got to admit, it's like there's a still there from it. Excellent, excellent. I have to. I definitely have yeah. to go and check that one out. <laughs> John, do you have another note? I do. I've got two. Um, I love the water shaving. That he did. Oh, um, oh wow! Yeah, that was really cool. And obviously, then it leads into him being kissed out in the really cool black robes mm-hmm. with with the red um, design on it. That was really good. Can I just say when he tried to shave himself with his with, when his hands were already bundled up and yeah. stuff, that was the most nervous I've been. Watching <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm going. This guy's suicidal, and he's got uh, and he's got a razor in his hands, which he can't really use. Uh, is he going to be found by the doorman in his in his uh, in his bathroom later on that Ooh. night or something? Uh, but yeah, like that. So yeah, I mean that was. That was really cool. I thought the, the water shaving. And then again, I just think poor Clea, um, she's only mentioned right at the end, mm-hmm. um, when they're obviously trying to rebuild the, the, um, the masters of the mystic arts. Um, it was, uh, you know, again, 
It's a nice little sort of sideways look from Doctor Strange. Uh, very telling, very sexful, um, but <laughs> definitely, um, I felt sorry that, you know, again, clear kind of not really in it, just kind no. of hovering around in, in, in the background. I think just one other point as well. It's interesting to see that there is this concept of a group of masters of the mystic arts in the same way that's been, um, sort of, um, shown in the prelude comics and what's obviously a, a basis for this film that you know mm-hmm. uh, they're not all subservient to to doctor strange as the sorcerer supreme or even the ancient one yes he's their uh, leader but um they are all masters of, of, of this um skill and, and the art of of magic yeah. and i i really like the fact that it you know it echoes with that uh, thread at the moment in in the comics. Mm-hmm. Any final notes, Chris? Sure. Uh, just actually one which I found it's it, literally a note is that it was nominated. I think it won the best home entertainment production in two thousand seven uh, for the thirty fifth annual Annie Awards, which are animation kind of film kind of awards. Right, and it it just shows like while everyone knows and loves DC's. Or everyone should know and love DC's uh, animated uh, plethora of films, which are fantastic. If you haven't watched them, do go. Um, there's some great. The ones, Marvel yeah. aren't half bad. There's some. Mm-hmm. There's some in there that aren't the best, but these some Marvel ones did win awards and kind of get nominated for animation awards and storytelling awards uh, back in the day. So yeah, if you have a mm-hmm. chance, go kind of check some of the other ones out. Excellent. Excellent. Um, oh, and the other thing that I thought was quite cool, uh, in, in the best Roland Emmerich style, uh, the opening were, um, the ladies looking into the, um, the, the rearview mirror to see the tornado coming down the street, uh, and obviously cars and buses and taxis flying everywhere. That to me was straight out of day after tomorrow. <laughs> um, or, or 2012, you know, big, <laughs> yeah, big Roland Emmerich disaster film. I, I really kind of liked that. Um, I also liked the other look back in the wing mirror from the taxi driver who then got nibbled to death by, um, those hungry critters, the wing. <laughs> Very cool, very cool. Poor dude. On that note, Chris, do you defend Doctor Strange, the animated movie? Uh, I do, guys. As I said, usually I would be more negative than most of you, and I can only find... (laughs) The only flaw I have is a a kind of small storytelling one where it potentially could have been fixed with deleted scenes. Um, As I said at the beginning, this is kind of a Grey's Anatomy, Batman Begins, Origin... And in any magic fantasy kind of hack and slash action video game, all boiled into one. <laughs> it's a mystical adventure with that's perfect for uh, in terms of an adaptation of the Marvel product, and it's perfect for new coming in strange fans, if you're Marvel fans or lifelong fans like John. Like it's still skillfully drawn animation, strong voice acting. It's a really good story, and that the battles are kind of pulse pounding, and that they there is death, there is a an element of kind of um, realism there that you don't get in a lot of other kind of animated films. So I fully defend Doctor Strange: The Sorcerer Supreme. Excellent, excellent. John, do you defend Doctor Strange: The Animated Movie? 
I don't. Oh. No, I no, no, I do. Of course, I do. Um, I do defend Doctor Strange, Sorcerer Supreme, the animated movie. Um, I would give this three um, Shadow Hounds out of five. Right. Um, I really like it, but it definitely has some storytelling issues. It has some, I think, structural issues with regards to the film mm. from, from that point of view. But ultimately, um, you know, as far as I'm concerned, this was the best I was ever going to get um, until uh, Benedict Cumberbatch flicks on his uh, cloak of levitation in October 2016. Um, this was the best I was going to have. And to be honest, it introduces the world of Doctor Strange really neatly. The animation, um, for the most part, is actually really top-notch. Um, I, I love uh, the fact that you know, it develops uh, the Doctor Strange storyline by bringing in April. I think that is one of the, the more poignant parts of, of the animation. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that the animation doesn't hold back. You know, it does deal with um, the death of effectively the entire team, including the Ancient One, um, apart from Wong and Stephen Strange. And I mean, if only we had known their names, yeah. we could have... Uh, mourn their loss <laughs> even greater. Um, you know, that's what, that, that, that's really what pulls it back from me from being a four. You know, um, I really do like it. Um, and, well, oh, it's got a special place for me, um, as an animated movie. Um, but I, I think, you know, for this podcast, I would give it three. Maybe I would nip it up to, you know, three and a half um, shadow hounds uh, out of five. Given that some of the shadow hounds were sliced <laughs> by Mordo, um, you know there are a few half of them hanging around. Um, but it's a really good um, animation. It's hard hitting. It deals with adult uh, themes. Definitely, there's a lot of death for a cartoon, um, and um, you know it feels epic. It does feel epic. You know the the music score behind everything, uh, which I hadn't mentioned, but you know it is pretty epic mm. to be honest. Um, and and some of the, the the animation when you certainly when you go into the Nexus, when you have some of that kind of anime type light um, style coming in, I I think it it is a really good Marvel animated movie, Derek. What about you? Do you defend this animated movie, Doctor Strange? I think I just defend oh. this movie. Uh, yeah, I, I think I'm a little bit colder on it than than you guys. I've seen it a few times now, I have to say, so uh, I'm not sure whether just the sheen has worn off a little bit of finally getting to see Doctor Strange uh, in an animated f- film. Um, again, as John said, I thought this was the only thing I'd ever see of Doctor Strange. So maybe it's the fact that I'm looking forward to, to, to the movie coming up and I, I'm really excited about it. Um, I just see a lot of problems now. The ones that I mentioned earlier on are kind of overwhelming where I'm going to go and who's that character? Oh, I'm never going to find out. Who's that person? Never going to find out. Why are those kids left sitting in hospital in comas for two and a half years while Doctor Strange goes off to the other side of the world? Should he not have sent, like, Mordo to go over, or Wong to go over and help out those kids when he realized there was a connection? Um, there's just some issues of storytelling. There's some great scenes in it, though. I'm so glad I was able to see it. I'm so glad I've been, been able to see it a, a few times now. Uh, it has been, it is, it is still a good film and still worth a watch if you haven't seen it. So yes, I do defend it. I did enjoy it. 
I'm not sure whether I would repeatedly watch it, and I'm looking forward to the new movie, so it hasn't taken anything away. There you go. That's my defense of Doctor Strange, the animated film. We do have a little bit of feedback, guys. I'm hungry. Give me feed. So our piece of feedback this week comes from Ronaldo, uh, who sent in an email to feedback at DefendersTVPodcast.com. He says, Hi, guys. I'm embracing The Summer of Strange. I've rewatched the animated film and Doctor Strange 1978 and just wanted to throw in my thoughts. When I first saw it, I was impressed with the tone and nothing has changed upon repeated viewings. Lionsgate do well to give the film some gravitas through the cinematic score, great voice acting and well-written script. I do think, however, the animation itself lags a bit in the overall standard and would have loved to have seen a more manga-anime-style animation to complement everything else. The animation just reminded me of Saturday morning cartoons as a kid, Mm. and because of that, I felt out of place alongside the much more refined elements, as mentioned previously. Um, Ronaldo says, Stephen's backstory with his sister was an interesting take on the strange mythology, but I thought it worked well uh, to give a sense of compassion for Stephen and offset what we felt for him as an arrogant surgeon. Not sure if his sister originally had been part of his origin story, um, just to answer that piece, John did mention earlier on his sister uh, died in different circumstances um, in the comic books, uh, drowned, I believe. Yes. So something that, that Stephen couldn't say, but he does drive a little piece. But we didn't find out about that until a lot later into into Stephen Strange's history. It's somewhere in the in the late 80s yes. they brought that yeah, in as yeah. part of the origin. So not part of the original origin, but kind of one of the other retellings of the origin story. And Ronaldo goes on to say, love the other sorcerers and no punches were pulled for them as most met their fate in the film. Uh, a pity as some of them had really cool powers. I would have loved if they were fleshed out a bit more. Yeah, I say, Derek, he has the exact same point. I think we agree. I think we agree. Uh, and finally, Ronaldo says, overall, a highly entertaining transition from comic book to small screen. And I remember when first watching it thinking how cool it would be if there actually were a live action movie of Doctor Strange. Well, we live in a remarkable time and are lucky enough to see this happen. Can't wait for November. Keep up the great work, guys. Cheers, Ronaldo. Thank you so much, Ronaldo. Yeah, thank you, Ronaldo, for that. Always appreciated. Cheers, Ronaldo. Yep, uh, I think you pretty much just covered all of our points as well. Absolutely. Shortest yeah. podcast yeah. ever. We could have just put him on first, guys. <laughs> what? We do the feedback first, and then we can take... We've waffled yeah. on for an hour and a half. Absolutely. But thanks so much. If you want to send in your feedback to us, listeners, you can email us again at feedback at defenderstvpodcast.com, uh, where you can also send your notification that you've uploaded a review on iTunes at defenderstvpodcast.com slash iTunes. If you do leave us a review before uh, Luke Cage is released on the 30th of September, we will be drawing you out of a hat to go into our Summer of Strange competition. That rhymed. Yeah, it did. It wasn't bad, huh? <laughs> um, in the Summer of Strange competition, there is a Doctor Strange pop. There is a Doctor Strange cap with the seal of Ashanti on the front of it. There is the two issues of the Prelude comic for Doctor Strange. And right now, there's also a digital code for the first seven issues, isn't it? Of Way of the Weird. Way of yep. the Weird. That's it. The current Doctor Strange series. So loads of stuff to win there. We hope you've been really enjoying our Doctor Strange coverage in our Summer of Strange. Chris, have you been enjoying it? Because everything's strange. No, that's, that's a terrible <laughs> tagline. It's been a strange summer. All right. Absolutely. So, guys, that's the final podcast in our Summer of Strange series, the lead up to the movie Doctor Strange coming out in October over this side of the world and November, the rest of the world. How do you think overall uh, you guys are feeling about, about Doctor Strange? I'm 50-50. I'm, I really, I'm terrified that they're not, this is going to be the Batman v Superman Suicide Squad of Marvel in that we, 
What awesome and yeah. fun. No, in terms of it's going to be, we'll enjoy it and we'll find some great elements. But in terms of it's going to, could it be the, the, the one film that potentially starts the superhero fatigue critics again? Going down the path, going well. We've just introduced magic into this world, blah, blah, blah. and then your last place we were was like aliens. I, I'm, I'm worried that if they don't get the tone tonality right of this and some of the the, the explanations, then we mm-hmm. we could see a a turning on this universe, this the, the Marvel roller coaster of fun that we've had over the past few years. Um, so I think it, like it, 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 it's 50-50. Like, either this is going to be right. a <gasps> Guardians of the Galaxy, where everyone thinks it's, mm-hmm. it's going to be <gasps> terrible, or it's going to be, it's going to be bad. It's going to be like Iron Man 2. <laughs> it won't. I well, like, like Iron Man 2 was still a good film. Better not Like, be. I still enjoyed it. Yeah. It's just, it, it's not the best out there, like... Yeah. Oh well, that's can true. I, can I just say I do think the presser have their will have their sights set on this one as being the first chink in the armor of uh, of Marvel. I think this is going to get uh, a lot more scrutiny than it would if it had come from another studio or if yes. it all the Russo brothers or it didn't have twelve movies leading up to the one that might possibly fail. There will definitely yeah. be a lot of pressure on this film to deliver from uh, from the press. But I'm totally looking forward and really enjoyed. Uh, the comic books I've read leading up to uh, leading up to this piece, I've been reading, as I said, loads of stuff from Marvel Unlimited, um, the animated movie, the 1978 movie, our, our Marvel 101 discussion, our Doctor Strange 101 discussion, where we talked about some of the origins, some of the bad guys, and some of the big arcs for them. Uh, all that led me to be really excited about Doctor Strange. The thing is, as well, I mean, look, if in this day and age you can't go into a movie and not know what you to expect, then maybe it's all gone the wrong way. I mean, I, I, I will know because I'm a Doctor Strange fan, but I mean, I do feel that, you know, a lot has been said. I still feel that this is very much under the radar. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't feel a media loving like you've had with Captain America and Iron Man. And of course, they've got more films behind them. Um, you know, at the start, it was difficult. At the end of the day, um, I think it would be unfair to say that Doctor Strange was, would have been the start of the rot if it's mediocre or bad, because I think you've had that with, um, Iron Man 2, quite frankly. Um, Age of Ultron really, um, wasn't better than Batman v Superman in my eyes. I think, um, you know, I don't think Marvel has this 100% track record that it, it, that is being spun. I think it's hugely impressive and hugely successful. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But it isn't the hit after hit after hit. And if it is, you know, I mean, I, I don't expect Doctor Strange to make as much money uh, as, um, the Avengers. Oh, yeah. Because it's his first outing. Yeah. Um, you know, so we just have to see. But I'm so I, glad I, they're taking think, the risks with the money that I they think have so. to make this film. Yeah. They're going down a different direction. I mean, I'm just glad that it's not going to be a standalone character. I think just purely the fact of Thor uh, being uh, outside 177A Bleecker <laughs> Street. No, but that integration Absolutely. into the rest of the the, the Marvel um, MCU is really important yeah. for Absolutely. the character. Because otherwise, then it certainly is a bigger target to say... Um, 
yeah, we'll have a pop at this because he's not going to yeah. appear in anything else. Yeah. Uh, the fact that he is means something else. And just to follow on from Chris's 50-50, I am 100% excited for Doctor Strange. Good stuff, good stuff. Well, on that bombshell, I think it's time to close out Summer Strange. Been really fun covering a different <laughs> type of show in between our uh, in between our Netflix coverage. Next up on Tuesday, the twentieth of September, we should have our Luke Cage one hundred and one coverage. Uh, just a little bit of background about Luke Cage. On the thirtieth of September, we've got Luke Luke Cage. I was going to call him Luke Strange there. I've been having <laughs> Luke a summer, Skywalker. I've been having a Summer Strange or way Brian too- Michael Bendis. <laughs> There is an old school podcast joke right back to our first ever podcast where I couldn't uh, stop saying Brian Michael Bendis. Anyway, no, Luke Cage begins on the 30th of September. We're really looking forward to covering uh, all 13 episodes of that show. And hopefully the Doctor Strange fans will join us for that podcast uh, while you're waiting for uh, for some new Marvel movie coverage. Definitely. Yeah, But thanks so much for joining us. It's been really, really, really enjoyable. Keep it strange, folks. Thanks for listening. See you in September. It's going to be sweet Christmas in September. (laughs) Awesome. Bye. Bye. John's second least favorite tag on a Marvel uh, film. What do you think his least favorite is, Chris? Which which of the Marvel tags do you think John hates more than that one? Oh, I don't no, even know if I, I know. know. That. I'm I'll, going, give you, I'll give you Iron a hint. Man with it, it features Iron Man. It is Iron Man. It features Iron Man. So right? is that the one where Iron... Oh, my God. What was the name of the film? It's where Tony Stark comes into the bar? Uh, okay. No. No, that's, that's a very early one. It is... Where Tony Stark is uh, is telling his entire story of Iron Man three to Bruce Banner, and we find out that Bruce Banner is asleep and has been asleep the whole story. So that is the worst tag of all of them, according to John. I don't know if I ever <laughs> said it was the worst tag. Yes, but, you did. But the it just the Schwarma one and that one they kind of weren't that funny, and I mean. Yeah, I prefer my tags to actually kind of kick you off into um, the the upcoming film next. It really gets you salivating for that film in the same way that the opening of a Bond really gets you excited for then the big musical intro and the rest of the film. You know, really kind of a big wham bam. Um, the Schwarma one and the yeah the Bruce Banner fast asleep. It didn't do anything. It it could have been part of the film. So anyway, that's just my tuppence. So speaking of kicking us off and getting us into the podcast, uh, first thing we want to just talk about is we do have our Summer Strange competition going on at the moment. Send us an email afterwards with your location and your name to feedback at DefendersTVPodcast.com and you'll be entered into the prize, John. What can they win? Into the prize draw. Not the prize. <laughs> you can that enter like into John. If you want. We're going to wheel out a big toilet, ladies and gentlemen, and take a draw from that. That's one of the reasons I am so enthralled by comic book universe and comic books because. So right now, well, as we record this, there's like the Iron Man universe and the comic books are going. It's going to be 
like it's in the news that Iron Man is being replaced by. <laughs> Don't you spoil anything here, Chris? I'm cutting okay, you off okay, right okay. there. <laughs> uh, let me think of a better way of saying it. It's in the news, though, but I'll, I'll think of a better way. Um, I, I don't read comic book news because they constantly spoil things in headlines. Now. Okay, that's, that's yeah. the job of comic yeah. book news now. <laughs> okay, that's literally how I found out. It's also in E Network. Um, did we oh, start for fresh then? 